0: very excited today to begin a brand new series and uh, I loved our Daniel series going through the book of Daniel and that was powerful just as excited about it as we turn the corner toward fall here and uh, kids are going back to school people are kinda of renewing their rhythm getting ready I mean we still got the state fair ahead of us Hello, <laughs> deep-fried whatever this year um, but I'm very excited and I want us to prepare. I want our hearts to kind of be directed toward uh, what's next and to be thinking about uh, getting ready, not just reacting to life, but being proactive about our lives. And so the title of our series is Thank God It's Monday. And uh, say that with me, Thank God It's Monday. How many have never said those words before? It's not a common thing in our culture in fact as uh, I look at it I am hoping that God does a countercultural work in us when the world is complaining and whining and hating the work the place where we work or go to school and the life that we have Christians should be able to be ones that are appreciative thankful and full of faith as we go into our work and so that's the, that's the kind of the baseline for the the series, and I, I want you to know that God wants to do things in your life outside this sanctuary, outside of this service, outside of Sunday morning, that he's very interested in your life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and on Sunday. Hello. And uh, I would much rather be a full week Christian than just a Sunday Christian. And so there's an opportunity we have as we turn the corner to consider what he has. So. Whether you're a high school student about to start another year of school, praise God, thank God it's Monday, or a full-time employee at a factory job or a professional in the medical field, or you work in the services industry, or you're a retiree with time that you have now that you didn't have before, a small business owner facing the challenges of the economy, or you're a state-at-home parent, With the opportunity to shape little ones, I want you to know you can say, thank God it's Monday, that there is something God can develop in your heart, your mind about the rest of your week, instead of dreading it, being excited for what's coming. And for the series, I'm gonna use the word work, but that is the equivalent of assignment, or your job, or your school, your home, or you're in retirement. I realize under the sound of my voice, there's so many different seasons and stages of life that many of us are in, and so I don't want you to think this is only geared at people that are only working, but I wanna use God's view of how he sees things as we talk about it, because no matter your assignment, God's word provides everything we need to look at our lives with excitement as we face our Mondays. We're gonna read from Ephesians chapter two, and I want you to read it, it'll be on the screen, I want you to read it out loud with me, can you? Here we go. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love that verse, that set of verses, because it says who we are, that we're on an equal playing field. No matter the background of your life, no matter the family you grew up in, and we all have families of origin that, you know, your, some parents, they love to work, and, and others, your family, you inherited a hate for work. And, and that attitude kind of seeped its way into you. No matter what your background is, no matter how old you are or young you are, that there's an equal playing field, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. In other words, there's a new creation project over your life. There's something new that can be developed. And I'm not just saying in the moment of salvation. I'm saying if you've been serving Jesus for decades, Jesus can do and create a new thing in you. How many want him to create new things in your life? And so you're not stuck in the old mold or having to be the same as you used to be, but... He's creating something new inside of us and we get to do the good things that he planned for us. Turn to the person next to you and say, you get to do good things. Yeah, all of us get to do good things. My goal, our goal for this series is to love our assignments and look forward to Monday. So right out of the gate, I want you to know, I want you to embrace and love the assignment that God is giving you. And look forward to your Mondays. Because in America, that's not happening. In fact, 50% of people don't like their job. 20%, 20% of people resent their jobs. And only 30% like to go to work or to school. And it's tough to dislike something that takes up about 30% of your whole life. And God is interested in that 30%. He's interested in that part of us that is outside of this room. And we have to start by looking at it through God's eyes and what I call the theology of work. Theology is the study of God, the way he thinks and why he does things. We know why we do things in the culture that we're in, the motivational factors that maybe your category or stage of life is in. And why why do we go have fun and why do we do certain things? Why are we trying to pursue health or fun or whatever it may be? We know that, but we need to study what God thinks. And the way he looks at it. In fact, in a sense, if we could put on his theology of God glasses and look at our world through the theology of work that he shows us. And it really begins in Genesis chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bible. Go there on your electronic version or, or in the paper Bible. And go to Genesis chapter 1. How many know there's no books before Genesis? All right? This is, this. is Well, there's the table of contents and all of those kind of things. But... This is really the beginning point, and this is the place where we see creation. This is the place in chapter 1 where God is creating all kinds of things. He's creating fish and animals and trees. and I mean, he is, he's busy. He's, he's making some amazing creation. He's created the zoo and the aquarium and everything that grows on top of that. And so he's creating. But then by the time we hit verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So there's a break, and that break is all the other creation is stuff that's out there, and he creates humans. In a sense, he says, these humans are different than everything else I've just created, In fact, I'm going to have the man be the one and the woman be the the humans, be the ones that oversee and supervise all the other things that I've just created. And so we are different than anything else. We're different than anything else that is created. Psalm 139, another passage that the psalmist speaks under the inspiration of the Spirit and talks about how we are fearfully and wonderfully made and how God is in there in our mother's womb, shaping us and molding us and giving us uh, designs for life, not just physical attributes, but also our desires, our our competencies. And not everybody is competent with the same thing. Uh, uh, I am in a a doctoral program uh, at uh, seminary. And uh, I'm trying to finish, I will finish in Jesus' name, I will finish my dissertation. And I was talking to my, my doctoral program advisor on Friday and uh, I, was just, I was just spilling out my embarrassment for not getting some of the things done that I wanted to get done. And she said, oh, don't worry. I, she said, I totally understand, Nate. She said, You, I'm really good at at keeping things going on the academic side of things and programming. And some of you are organized people, get her done people, check it off the list people. That's not me. I try to do everything and then some things get done. Okay. And so she's talking to me and she says, uh, but she said, I wouldn't be able to lead a church through a multiple million dollar building project and preach and do everything else. She said, you and I are gifted in different ways. So I was like, thank you for that. I appreciated that. Well, what she was saying to me is, is that we are different. So we're all created in God's image, but we're all given our own competencies, things that we're interested in, things that we're good at, things that we are uh, um, passionate about sometimes. And, and often opposites attract. So in your marriage, you might be good at different things because it brings a, a kind of harmony to the home or it can bring a fight, one or the other. Um, so we're created differently, but God, God created us to reflect Him. See, God is uh, so talented that he incorporates all of our talents, all of our competencies. What is he like? Well, you can look at the scripture and you can see that he's holy and he's full of love and he's true and he's compassionate. But here in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see God as a worker. I don't know if you've thought about this, but God works. And he is active and he is providing creative activity, and he's shaping new things, and he's always at work. Jesus reflected on this in John chapter 5 when he said, my father is always working, and so am I. It's an attribute of God. Genesis 2 2 says on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he restored, or excuse me, he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his what? His work of creation. So God is at work. And, of course, he also modeled for us how to rest, which is a big deal we'll be talking about in coming weeks. But in order to work, we need to recognize that if we're following God, it's in his nature to consider work. And, uh, and by the way, we all kind of view work through different lenses, uh, if you're a millennial perhaps you view work through a different lens and you look at the negatives of the generations ahead of you but you still have to figure out how to make money right and there are new ways to make money but you still whatever it is that you do that can be considered work some people can work from home now school work is a big part of going through school i go to school cuz i have to yeah but you go to school and there's activity and development that's expected of you. That's actually a part of God's nature to expect us to grow and to not sit on our hands and not stay stuck. In fact, you could read through, if you did a word study on laziness in the Bible, you will go, Jesus, help me to never be lazy. Um, work then, if it's a part of God, becomes a gift from God to people before sin. In Genesis 1 28, in the first chapter, verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry on the ground. So he gives a gift and it's before sin. Some of you thought you have to work because of sin. Not true. Shoot. There goes one excuse. I wanted to rebuke my job. You don't have to rebuke your job. (laughs) Work was actually a gift before sin. Chapter 2, verse 15 says The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So, what God does is He gives an assignment for the first human being, and His wife came along a part of this story, to tend a garden and your work is your garden to cultivate. Whatever it is on your Monday, and your Tuesday, and your Wednesday, that's your garden to cultivate. It's to turn chaos into order. How many know that if you don't pay attention to a garden, other things grow up in it? Anybody here of weeds? Okay, so a gardener tends to the garden. It's essential for it to be tended to. The life that we live is essential that we pay attention to it. Your work matters to God. It's very important, and it's not a, something that's just trying to make you feel sad. It's actually a gift from him as he wants to rule the world. He wants to, us to tend his world, the world that's around us. Small children are, is a great example of this. If you're a stay-at-home parent and you're taking care of a little child... Many times you could be frustrated because all they do is cry and you gotta change diapers and feed them, right? And it can feel overwhelming. It can feel overwhelming as a child grows older because they start getting their own will right around middle school, high school time. And we can be frustrated with it, but how many old children are a gift from God? And our responsibility as parents is to prepare them, to shape them, to discipline, or to gardener them so that they become all that they're meant to be, to bloom into all that God has designed them to be. And sin has just made that more difficult. So when did sin enter the picture here in in Genesis? Well, it entered in chapter three. And the curse that was pronounced after the first sin was not, you have to work. No, it was work would become difficult. You're going to have to labor as you till the ground. There's going to be sweat on your brow. You can read it in Genesis 3, 17 and 19. In other words, there was going to be resistance. It wasn't going to be easy. And I know this in today's world. Our uh, assignments aren't always easy. There's resistance. And that's because there's sin in the world. How many you know not everybody around you wants to follow Jesus? Not everything in the world, the world's systems, the organization of government and economies and those kind of things, aren't all working together for your good. Only God is weaving things together for your good. But when you get up on Monday morning and you look at that hair explosion in the mirror, hello, and you're like, oh, Lord, I don't want to go, right? Those things that you don't want to go into are those resistance factors, those things that you are anticipating that you don't want to go into. But if you can understand, what God is doing is he's sending you to your garden. He's sending you to the place that you're meant to tend. And there will be resistance, and he offers himself to be a part of the journey with you. There will be resistance, but there will be transformation. And when we partner with God, there will be transformation in the world around us. He starts internally, and then he moves outwardly. And it begins for us with our attitude. Hello. How many have ever had a bad attitude? Okay. It's amazing to me that whatever we think about, our attitude follows behind that. So whatever we think about, you know, I've I, I shared the illustration before, but when I would play football, I would listen to music to get myself focused and hyped up to go hit somebody, right? And, uh, and so I would listen to old Christian rock stuff like Striper and, and Headbanger music, and I would, they would get my emotion following so that I could perform. Now, that was what I did in high school. I no longer listened to that. I just listened to elevator music, and I'm just kidding. But here's here's the thing, I know this, Whatever I focus my thoughts on, my feelings and attitudes follow behind it. So if I go into my Monday and I'm thinking already today, I hate Monday. If I go in and my thoughts are on all the bad things that are gonna happen on Monday or all the things I don't wanna go into, guess where my attitude will be? It'll be off. So what I need to do is put on my theology of God at work glasses and begin to approach my day and put my thoughts on, God, I'm gonna go into your garden tomorrow. I'm going to work on the things that you've assigned me to. And you begin to think about all that God wants to do to transform the world that you're going into. And then later on, you'll deal with the the frustrations that come at you. God, I don't wanna go to geometry. I literally said those words about 30 years ago. I don't wanna go. I hate it, I don't understand it, my teacher is boring. I actually brought a pillow to class. I got in trouble for that though. And what I, had to ha- what I have to learn, and I'm still learning, is those things that I hate aren't things to be rebuked and cursed. They're things that I need to change my attitude on. In church, this world needs us to change our attitude. I'm not saying we need to change the attitude of the world and we need to point out the wrongs of the world, the wrongs of everybody else. I'm saying, God, throw a mirror in my face and help me reflect the smile that you see in the gift that you've given me in my Monday. Oh, come on, somebody. That was good. I want him to work through me. See, our assignment becomes an act of service to the Lord. And friends, the place I work becomes the sanctuary where the ministry takes place. Come on, I'm gonna say it again. The place I work becomes the sanctuary where the ministry takes place. That's where my life is, that's where my work is, that's where my worship is, that's where I please my creator. Sabbath is more about rest so that you can do your real ministry in America today, we work for the weekend. We work to get to something. But in God's way of doing things, we rest to get to what we're excited about. And we can learn to shift our attention, our thoughts toward that, so we can do our ministry. Now, I want to, I want to talk about a concept that will help us understand that, and it's the comparison between uniforms and the voice. You see, in, in life, we tend to put value on a particular destination. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I get that perfect job. I'll, I'll be happy when I graduate. I'll be happy when, when I get the money in. Uh, I'll be happy, and we project everything outside of where we are. But in God's way of doing things, it's not about where we go, it's about who we are, where we are. And so we are to look at where we are, and he judges the thoughts and the intent of our heart, but he also looks to and fro throughout the whole earth to encourage those whose hearts are turning towards him from wherever they are. And this is what I want you to catch. Wherever you are right now is exactly where God wants you to be. He may change you down the road, but I guarantee whatever your attitude is, whatever your thoughts are, whatever you're going through right now, God will use where you are to get you where you're going. Okay? But we often tend to salute a uniform, okay? So if I had a, a general of the U.S. military, one of the branches, were to come into the, the sanctuary and stand on the platform, and he had all the bars and the stars on the front and, and, and was a, a person of great authority. If I were another military person, I would stop and I would salute that general. At worst, if I'm not one, I would straighten my back up a little bit and say, yes, sir, how can I help you, Okay. So that uniform uh, implies responsibility, authority, discipline. He went through stuff to get to that spot. His authority comes from his history, and it's tied to the, the rest of the military that he's in. However, if I'm just saluting the uniform and that's all he lives for, something's missing. You see, the day will come when he takes the uniform off, hangs it in the closet, and walks down the street dressed just like me. Now, I don't know if a general would dress like me or not. But when that general walks by people and he's got normal clothes on, no uniform, nobody's gonna stop and salute him anymore, why? Because in our culture, we salute the uniform, not the person, okay? And when we have that attitude in our culture, it can have a negative impact on how we view our Monday. Because if we're in a role or a job or a station of life that's not respected by the world around us, we can think that we're in a losing situation. That somehow because people aren't respecting me and I'm I'm serving food at McDonald's or I'm taking care of babies or I'm in a retired season of life that somehow I, I please God better if I were in a different position. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You see, what God shows us is that really our identity comes not from the station or the uniform, our identity comes from the voice in following him. When I was, uh, when I was a uh, younger boy, I grew up in the church, probably got saved 100 times. I was one of those kids every time there was an altar call, I was one of those, right? I hit my high school years, and uh, somewhere along my junior year, I began to have two different worlds. I would be in the church, but my heart was far from God. I was in the church, but not of the church, if you know what I'm talking about. And so I was in a season of life where um, I had to make decisions, and I didn't live for God outside of the church. I only put my time in on Sunday, and I will never forget the trip, and I, I've shared it before, on our trip, youth group trip to Cedar Point, where God arrested me. And I, it wasn't anybody in the room, and it wasn't anybody, um, it, it was God. And God got a hold of my heart. And I bent my knee and my heart before heaven, and I repented. And I could feel God talking to me. I could hear the whisper. Perhaps you remember when God first started talking to you. And I remember I said to the Lord, Lord, wherever you want me to go, whenever you want me to go there, I'll do whatever you want. And there was a heart of connection to God that I will never forget because it's really the centerpiece of how I live today, that I don't want my life to be about other people saluting my uniform. I want my life to be about pleasing the voice that's called me. And the truth is, he's called me to different stations and seasons over time. And so I I said, go wherever you want, and I went two years of community college in Michigan, and and then I transferred to North Central, and along the way I was listening for the voice of God. And when I went to North Central University, downtown Minneapolis, I I, uh, started volunteering in Emmanuel. and then uh, I was asked to be involved in youth leadership, and while I was involved in youth leadership, I did my internship, and during my internship, I met my wife, or my woman who would be my wife. And, and then along the way, one thing led to another, and I was a youth pastor, and then I did 10 years of youth ministry at Emmanuel, and then I heard the whisper, and the whisper said go, and I got a phone call, and that phone call was to go back and work at North Central for my Uh, mentor, Dr. Gordon Anderson, who was the president of NCU at the time, And, and it didn't make sense, but because I was living for the whisper, not for everybody else understanding it, I followed him wherever he wanted me to go. And so I said goodbye to the role that I had, and I remember the week after I was the pastor, I was no longer a pastor, and I was at North Central, I'd walk by people in the hallway, and they didn't know what to say, they didn't even know what to call me, I wasn't Pastor Nate anymore. I was Nate, right? (laughs) And And so it created awkwardness between me and other people, but I had to trust that I was following God's voice. Of course, then I was in different roles and jobs over time at North Central. I had 11 different offices. When I left, I was one of the administrators, and then I got a whisper from God again to come back to this church, and I said yes over a period of time. And as I followed his voice, he knew exactly where he wanted to meet me to be at a given time. So here's what I want you to catch. Was I more called to be a youth pastor? Was I called to be a, a, an administrator, a teacher at a college? Or was I called just to be a lead pastor? You know what, I, I'm not called to any of those. You know what I'm called to? I'm called to the voice. I'm called to the voice. Wherever he wants me, whenever he wants me. And that's the way we need to approach our life. We may have not chosen to be in the season and the stage that we're in, but we are to be submitted to the voice and say, God, what do you want me to do? And when you're at the height and you're beginning to love it, you can turn the glory back to him because it's not about the job or the uniform. It's about you and God as it is. And he assigns us to be where he wants us to be. You see, your mission is always larger than your role. Your mission is always larger than your role. If you confine your identity into the actions and the job description of what you're doing and what other people see you as, you will miss the fact that God will use every part of your life. When I was uh, in college here in town, I went and I worked at a place called Granger. and Granger's a, a supply uh, company that, supplies a lot of business supplies. And, and I worked in the warehouse, and I was moving boxes, and I unloaded trucks, and I delivered stuff uh, t- from shelf to shelf, and, and I can remember, you know, I, was, I had this little device to device uh, the scan in the barcodes, beep, beep, and there was a thought, I'm like, what am I doing with my life, right? And sometimes we get stuck in the middle of our job, and we're like, is this all there is? No, you understand. My job may be that, my assignment for, from the company, but my mission extends beyond and through that. Because at that location, there were dozens and dozens of people who would never go to church. That God called me, the voice called me to live and work alongside. And if I despised my job, I missed my mission. Are you hearing me? I missed the larger mission of what God was doing. And by the way, however I worked in that role determined where God wanted me to send, where he wanted to send me. You see, the principle that Jesus laid out is if you're faithful with little, he'll make you faithful with much. But if I wasn't faithful and thankful and full of a good attitude, and thank God it's Monday on that day, I would miss out on the other places that the voice wanted to lead me. We need to learn to embrace today's role as the way to move to the next role. First Corinthians 10:31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Colossians three, work willingly. <laughs> Circle that word, highlight that word. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. Come on, somebody. Jesus said in Matthew 5: Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The people in your life are the ones who will see the gospel spoken through you. Isn't that true? I mean, let's think about it. They don't care about what we're like at church. They only care about how we live. Listen to this, I found in a book. People in the marketplaces of the world develop their opinions of Jesus Christ and his church by observing Christians as they perform their day-to-day responsibilities. They neither know nor care how we act on Sunday morning inside the four walls of the church building. In other words, they're watching us, they're observing us, and that's where the ministry is, because that's our garden. Friends, Jesus called us salt and light in Matthew five. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown down on trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. The salt is the preserving factor. You are making a difference in whatever world you're going to. And it's not about your personal comfort. Often it's about the people that you work with, people you go to school with, the people that are in your family. And we need, we need to be the salt and we need to be the light. Finally, we need to move from have to to get to. Turn to the person next to you say, you need to move from have to to get to. I think the attitude has to shift where we go, I get to go to work on Monday morning. I get to go to school. Well, come on, parents, you can use this against your kids, right? (laughs) I get to do the dishes. I get to do the laundry. I get to sweep the floor. I get to be full of God. I'm tending my garden. This is my sanctuary, and God is doing ministry today. I get to do. I get to do, I get to do, I get to do it. Ha! Attack each day with purpose. You're not random. You are specially made by God. Attack it. Shift the spirit inside you. And when you do, God will shift the world around you. See, we are on assignment from heaven, and we partner with the Spirit. Grab your bulletins. There is a tear-off in the bulletin today. If you have noticed, I'm working on ways to have you all oh, you actually use the bulletin every week. We've modified a declaration we used earlier this year, and this is our Thank God It's Monday declaration. And I want to challenge you to take it and use it Every day, as a statement of faith and belief, as a reminder, as an attitude setter, if you will, for wherever you go. And when you begin to declare it over the people that you're around, around the place that you're in, and see if God doesn't begin to change the world that's around you. And I want you to read it out loud with me. Ready? Here we go. I declare God's favor and success over my workplace, God's blessing over my boss, and coworkers, that this will be a place of joy, peace, and unity. I declare safety and health for employees and their family members, that my workplace will value what God values. Come on, somebody. That, that is something you can do. And you don't have to stand on a table in the lunchroom and say it, okay? Do it silently. You don't have to say it over people. You don't have to take the, the paper and put it on somebody's forehead. Boss, I declare. And then you can read it. You, know? you don't have to do anything like that. In fact, go the subversive way. Be, be a champion of God and say, God, when you get up in the morning, you might want to read this over your home. You might want to read this over your own life. Single adults here, read this over your life. I declare this over me. I declare this over the world that's around me and see if God doesn't begin to develop in you a thank God it's Monday, get to kind of attitude, a capacity to be a tender of the garden that God has assigned to you, to be who he wants you to be. Today, we're gonna worship together and uh, separately on each of the campuses and, uh, and campus pastors are gonna give direction on each of our campuses, but I wanna challenge you to make a shift right now and to consider internally your own mind, heart, and where you are. Are you caught up in the uniform so much that you're missing the voice? Do you need to hear the voice again? Do you need to shift in attitude, and let God begin to shape in you his attitude? Do you need to just simply stop and offer yourself to God and say, God, I re-up. I re-up my service, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm yours. And if you should choose to change where I am and what I do, that's up to you. But I'm not sacrificing you. And let God extend the borders of your ministry and your mission beyond the limitations of the prison that you feel you're in. And allow God to release his power in your life. We're going to sing together. Would you stand with me?